Welcome to the Sunday show. My name is Chris and I am joined by Joe and we are here talking to you on April 23rd. We got a few things to talk about in the Big 12 side of things, mostly just baseball, a little bit of transfer news, but uh, for the most part, we'll just kind of cover that and then touch on the spring game that happened yesterday for Texas Tech, which had a few key talking points from Coach McGuire and a few good plays here and there, and honestly, some solid showings from the defense. But we'll get that we'll get to that later in the podcast. Joe, how are you doing today? I am doing well. I can't complain about the um, weather situation in Lubbock. I was hoping for a little bit of rain. We haven't gotten it, but the weather's a little bit cool. And I have a a birthday party coming up soon, so pizza and cake is on my dinner menu tonight. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm jealous of you there. We still haven't gotten rid of the snow here in Illinois. It's kind of on and off here, but I think this week should be the week where we get into the spring slash summer side of things. So looking forward to that. We're going to get started off just kind of touching on some baseball things, get some analysis, get some of our uh, you know thoughts out about that, about the Big 12 race that's kind of coming down to a close here and yeah, why not get right into it? So just to kind of touch on a few things, the only ranked teams, because last week we kind of made a few predictions and thought that a few other teams would be ranked, but really the only two teams that were ranked this uh, this time around were Texas and Texas Tech. Texas at 14 and Texas Tech at 16. Um, not much to talk about there. I think that there's a few teams kind of waiting on the outskirts, but I'll just kind of go over the series results, and then we'll see what Joe's got to say about some of these key games. So TCU and West Virginia. West Virginia took that series in a sweep, which was kind of surprising. I mean, West Virginia's kind of making their way up the ranks, and they're actually top of the conference right now, which is pretty exciting. Uh, Oklahoma State swept Kansas. Oklahoma swept Texas. That's one we're definitely going to touch on. Kansas State right now is losing to UC Irvine, but they're up two games to none in the series. And, of course, Texas Tech took two and lost the last one. So, uh, Joe, why don't we get started with Oklahoma and Texas? You got anything to say about that? I'm sure you do. Anytime those guys play each other in any sport, whatever, you know, my hatred for Texas is always going to trump my hatred for Oklahoma. So... To watch them, you know, kind of get beat down three consecutive games in a row was a sight to see. But that's just going to make the um, the Big 12 race that much more interesting. If you you could just pretty much mathematically eliminate Kansas and Baylor from being in contention. And I remember us talking last Sunday about maybe three or four teams potentially, you know, making a run for it. I think it's wide open at this point in time, you know. Teams getting hot, teams sweeping, going in and winning in other people's houses. I mean, man, I it's tough to call. I liked watching it, but man, it, the last month of this the, or the last couple of weeks of this season are going to be really, really good and telling for us because a lot of baseball to be played and and like I said, that that Big Twelve being completely open right now as it sits, um, I can't wait for it. But yeah, I mean. Oklahoma, you know, they did what they were supposed to do. Um, they went down and beat Texas. And, I mean, Texas wasn't – Texas is kind of playing to what they were – where they started at. You know, they they didn't have a whole lot of noise coming from their camp at the start of the season. Then they got on a hot streak. Then they got 
they got the notoriety for that. And now they've just kind of started playing some 500 ball. I mean, we all saw what happened to them in Baylor. They could have easily been swept there. They ultimately won two out of three, but you know, they haven't been playing their best ball right now. And it, I mean, it's starting to show. So I'm just looking forward to the rest of the big 12 in the next couple of weeks and see what happens and goes from there. Yeah, I agree with you. It's just pretty much a close race overall. I know, I mean, Texas getting swept by that Oklahoma team, it's just kind of like, you know, it shows you what type of team Texas actually is this year. I know that they swept us, but realistically, that was maybe a little bit of an overachievement. I'll just kind of touch on the uh, standings as they are right now, since we just mentioned them. Up to date, as of like 20 minutes ago, I don't know which games they counted or which games they haven't counted yet, but right now it is West Virginia leading the conference with an 8-4 and four record. Uh, overall, they're 29-11. Them and Texas Tech are the only two teams with 29 wins, but uh, Oklahoma, but West Virginia did just get a sweep, so they're probably going to be ahead of us in that category too. Uh, Oklahoma State right behind them. Kansas State and Texas are 3-4. and four. Texas, TCU, 5-6, and six, Oklahoma, Kansas, and Baylor rounded out. And like you said, Kansas and Baylor pretty much mathematically out. Oklahoma still kind of nipping at the heels. They're two and a half games behind the conference lead along with TCU. Texas and Texas Tech, one and a half games. Kansas State is a half a game. And uh, actually right here it has West Virginia and Oklahoma State tied. So like you said, pretty close coming, to the, coming down the stretch. And we still have like a few weeks of regular season baseball to play so really anything can happen and i think i'll kind of go over a few of the other series if you want uh kansas state well no not kansas state oklahoma state uh anything you got to say about them i mean coming out and pretty they pretty much did the exact opposite of what texas did and did the job that they were supposed to because you know texas was likely the team that was supposed to win that series but they didn't uh oklahoma state got the sweep the tied for the conference lead Pretty solid showing from the Cowboys. Yeah, it's it was a good showing from them. But, you know, what's kind of odd to me, I was looking at their schedule a little while ago um, before we got our pod, um, whenever I was writing some of my notes. This is their last conference game until May 14th. They have eight more games in between now and May 14th, but they don't play another um, conference game until May 14th against um, Kansas State. They have a three three with them. So that's kind of interesting as far as, you know, where we're sitting in the Big 12 for them to have that many non-conference games in like the heart or in the meat and potatoes portion of the Big 12. Um, so it's going to be interesting because essentially what they're doing is they're going to be a stalemate until May 14th as far as conference standings go. So they did what they needed to do going into these eight games that they are going to have non-conference on their schedule. So it, it's just pretty much everybody else needs to hold course and, you know, kind of win their games. Um, West Virginia has three at Baylor coming up. Texas has three at TCU coming up. Kansas State has three in Lubbock coming up. And then Oklahoma, that one just kind of still sitting there at the very back. They have three very winnable games against the Kansas team. So, like I said before, I mean, it's it's opened up. And with, like I said, Oklahoma State – not going to have a conference loss in about two weeks because just how their schedule set up, it's going to be interesting to see how the rest of this plays out. 
Yeah, I did forget to mention, while Oklahoma State is second in the conference standings, they have also played more games than everybody else, I'm pretty sure. If my math is correct here, they are 11-7 and seven in conference. So, obviously, I mean, 18 games, no other team has played really anywhere. I think most teams are at 15 right now, as far as I can see. Them and Baylor, actually. Baylor is 6-12, and 12, so they have 18 games as well. But, yeah, I mean... Those uh, that little stretch that they're going to be away from conference that could uh, lead a few of these teams to kind of make up some ground. I mean, Texas Tech could win a few. They're they they're eight and seven. Texas eight and seven. Like I said, Oklahoma and TCU seven and eight. So those teams can kind of get back on the winning track. But right now, it seems obviously anything could happen. But West Virginia sweeping right now. They're eight and four in the con- their conference record. So. Uh, I mean, West Virginia seems to be kind of running away with things. But regardless, like you said, this is going to be an exciting conference race to watch, and I am very excited for it. But uh, other than that, I mean, TCU and West Virginia, we kind of touched on that. Oklahoma State and Kansas, the sweep there. We'll we'll, uh, touch on the Texas Tech and uh, Baylor series since we I know big 12 matchup uh Baylor the bottom of the conference right now Texas Tech won the first two games and then they had to play a double header yesterday obviously because it was supposed to rain in Lubbock I don't know what happened over there if anything if it was too bad of weather conditions ended up being the case or if it was kind of just precautionary and nothing really happened but yeah I mean obviously I started but I mean the Friday Molina had a solid outing, shut out all the way, and then, you know, taken out, which was probably the right thing. I mean, just to give him some rest. But uh, still a solid outing from Texas Tech that day. I like pretty much every aspect of Texas Tech on offense, pitching staff, everything was doing solid there. And then the doubleheader, I didn't really get to catch much, so I'll let Joe kind of touch on those two games. But I know, I mean, you really want to get the sweep against a team like Baylor. It'll obviously help your conference record, but... Do you think it's that big of a deal? I mean, me personally, what I've always thought about those kind of doubleheader things is, you know, you win the first one, that's awesome. And the second one, I mean, you're playing two games in two days. There's not two games in a day. It, it's, it does suck that you didn't get the sweep, but uh, I don't think it's like the end of the world. I think that it's kind of, you know, it's a doubleheader. It happens. People are tired. I mean, they just won the first part, but uh, I'll let you get your opinion on that one. Yeah, it was kind of tough to watch that doubleheader because I I felt that they had or Tech had all of the opportunities to win and sweep Baylor. Um, as far as the weather and you know just kind of report from Lubbock as far as weather conditions, it was predicted that we had like a thirty to forty percent chance of rain for today, and the weather was supposed to be really cool. Um, I haven't personally seen any precipitation at all today, but the weather's been cool. So I believe they were just being overly um, precautious as far as weather conditions went. And, you know, I think that ultimately may have hurt Texas Tech in this in this regard. You know, you're running out the same lineup two consecutive um, games in a row within 30 minutes of each other. And I don't know if you ever played baseball or any kind of doubleheader situation. I mean, it's it's hard to stay up for that that long, you know, five hours plus, you know, sitting there in the sun, going in and going back out. Now, the weather really wasn't a factor anyway as far as – I mean, the wind was blowing, but that's West Texas, so that I really don't count that as a as a effect for the game. But, you know, things like that happen. You live, you go, you, you'll be okay. I mean, it sucks because, you know, we're the second road 
win that they they have on the season, you know, and that I didn't want us to be have any of that any of that on our record or a blemish like that. So, you know, it is what it is at this point in time. But as far as the games are concerned, I mean, they were the Molina deal. It's kind of hard not to want to talk about his dominance and the last couple of pitchers prior to Molina with the Petty and I believe um, um, Tabor Fast, I believe, was the one who pitched before that the last three games to have like three dominant pitching outings in a row um, for Tech. That was a really, a really good sign going into Saturday. We went ahead and got the first W there, and then the lull in the second. We just couldn't get it. We couldn't get them out. You know, they were just hitting these little weak fly balls. You know, center field, right field. They just, like I said, they were. It was almost like small ball, but not small ball. Just the ball was falling in places that they needed to. They got the hits when they needed to. We couldn't make the pitch when we needed to. And you know that that stuff happens in baseball. I mean, people struggle. Hell, Gavin Cash struggled yesterday. You know, he's human as much as we like to think he's, you know, superhuman based on his statistics and things like that. You know, he has off days as well. So it's, it's, it is easy for us to say, yeah, that sucks that we lost to Baylor. But I mean, given a a lot of the circumstances that were kind of swirling in that third game, I'm okay with it. Just as long as we continue to take care of business moving forward in the, in the big 12 with K-State coming up. Yeah, as you mentioned, uh, I mean, the weather conditions were what they were, and Texas Tech prevailed in the first two games. I personally have never played organized baseball, but I can't, I mean, I, can't, I it's pretty obvious, you know, if you're just kind of having to stay there for five hours, having the same lineup, kind of sucks. I mean, obviously the argument is the other team does it too, but when you're as dominant as Texas Tech and when you put up the effort that you have, you know, you People get, can get tired. People can get complacent. It happens. But uh, as you mentioned, Texas Tech and Baylor is the next series for uh, the Red Raiders. Um, no, Texas Tech and Kansas State, sorry. So those two are playing. That will be Kansas State's next uh, conference uh, game as well as Texas Tech. And then the others are Texas and TCU coming up in the early part of the week. West Virginia and Baylor and then Oklahoma and Kansas. As we mentioned, Oklahoma State has a little bit of a... Uh, Laps in their schedule where they're not going to be playing anybody till May. So uh, pretty interesting for the Big 12. A lot of key matchups and can't wait to see what happens in those. There's a few exciting ones. Obviously you have Kansas State and uh, Texas Tech both at the top or near the top. Same thing with Texas and TCU. And then um, the other two, West Virginia and Baylor, literally on the opposite scale of the big of the conference. So that one's kind of, you just want to see West Virginia. I mean, you want to see Baylor come through and kind of help us out, maybe get a series win there. And then Oklahoma and Kansas is kind of a dud. Kansas can kind of eliminate Oklahoma from kind of getting to the top of the conference if they can pull off the upset there. But we shall see. So, um, yeah, that's kind of pretty much everything we wanted to touch on baseball. Let's get to basketball. Uh, Two things that we want to touch on. Obviously, last week we kind of talked about Kansas and being crystal balled Harrison Ingram from Stanford, but uh, looks like that wasn't happening as he transfers to UNC, which is a good get for the Tar Heels. So, I mean, that kind of sucks for Kansas's uh, prospects and wanting to be able to sign a key guy like Harrison. But uh, 
Anything on your end that you want to add about that? Is it kind of one of those things where Kansas is going to Kansas, so they'll probably find another guy, they'll probably sign a different guy, or, you know, what is your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I think Kansas is just going to have their pick. I think they have their options pretty much open when it comes to anybody who wants to come and play right now, and, you know, how it's sold is probably, you know, uh, the potential out of the being the best, the best conference in the league, Kansas with everything that has Kansas going for them and things like that. I mean, it's an easy sell. So I, I, this one stings a little bit for them, but I don't think it's necessarily going to, Oh, oh, Kansas is going to have a down kind of year. I think that'd be a, a little bit of a stretch to say, but um, there are some rum, rumblings out there. Um, decide they're kind of depending on what happens with Kevin McCuller there at Kansas. Um, I've read on some Kansas sites there that you know they may may actually um try um reeling in another tech kid that's in the transfer and that in Jalen Tyson. So the a lot a lot has to be said in the next couple of weeks. I think that transfer portal deadline is May eleventh. Um. And then kind of go from there so that, you know, that clock's been ticking. So whether they make a play for Jalen or not moving forward, kind of just depending on what McCuller decides to do is what I was reading. Not saying that that's all factual or anything like that, but I mean, it, you know, it's possible. Um, I would really not like to see Jalen go to Kansas because I don't want to all of a sudden start cheering against a guy that I want to cheer for. You know, because I understand the side of the business of basketball with a new coach, new philosophy and things like that. So um, that's one thing that I guess we're going to have to monitor in the upcoming weeks and just kind of see what goes on from there. But, yeah, um, Kansas will be all right. Kansas is always all right. They'll just have their choose from the litter, like always. Yeah, I agree with you there. I don't think they're going to lose much not getting him, but... uh They'll reload. It's Kansas, and they'll probably be at the top of the conference. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, but the big one, the big transfer that was an interconference one that actually happened was Avery Anderson, who went from Oklahoma State to TCU. That is a big one. As we just talked about TCU last week, and we were kind of raving about the signings that they have already made, and just to kind of see them be able to pull this one off, I mean – what a like what a get for TCU. This guy was one of the I think he was pretty high on the overall rankings. I don't have him in front of me right now, but he was uh sought after by a, quite a few schools because they know how talented he is and just for TCU to be able to get him and add them add him to the already pretty strong transfer class that they had just kind of shows that they're not playing around and they're looking to make a little bit more of a run as they've kind of, you know, been down in the, uh, I think they've only made the round of 60 or round of 32 the past two years. I know they had that battle against Arizona and then this past, uh, year against Gonzaga, if I'm not mistaken. But, uh, yeah, no, TCU is one of those teams that's just kind of nipping at the heels of getting them to the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. So we're going to kind of see what the Horn Frogs are going to do this year. I mean, they've brought in a solid team and can make a lot of noise in the Big 12. What do you guys say about that? Yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, you think early on whenever the uh, Mike Miles deal and then the Eddie Lampkin deal were happening, and you're like, okay, they're going to, you know, kind of be on a lull. And then they, 
you know, got those three kids, the Jameer Nelson. And then I don't remember those other two dudes names, the dude from, um, A&M Corpus Christi, and then another big guy. And then you had a, a local kid in Avery Anderson, who was a, was a highly sought out, of, um, high school recruit out of high school, you know, four star. And we kind of seen flashes of what he could do. So, I mean, they're not going to have a down year after all. I thought they may actually, you know, be on the on the bottom end of the Big 12 because of what they lost, but they sure filled those shoes really quick. So whatever Jamie Dixon is selling down there, they're buying it. And, you know, they're going to be – they're going to stick around this year in the Big 12, and they should have a pretty solid well, – as it sits right now, they have a pretty solid roster on paper. But um, you know, we'll just see what they could do in the Big 12. All Some of those dudes have big-time experience – Avery Anderson has been in the Big 12, so we kind of knows what to expect from pretty much every team that's out there. Um, the Jameer Nelsons, all those other guys that played pretty solid. I mean, I think it's mid-major ball at best for those three transfers, but they are all going to help and contribute to that TCU basketball team. So it's just like we alluded to last weekend when we were talking about this, you know, West Virginia probably being one of those teams that could be a sleeper out there like Kansas State was last year. And it looks like right now that TCU is also pushing that closer to the Kansas side of things in the Big 12 where, you know, they could they could compete for the Big 12 conference next year. Yeah, the Big 12 is looking pretty tough again this year, so we're going to kind of see where Texas Tech falls into that. Speaking of Texas Tech, I know that we had a few articles already come out, so we'll just touch on it lately, but Chance McMillan was the other signing. Actually, I think... The other signing, I don't know if the other signing happened as well, but we got Darion Williams and uh, Williams. Yeah, Williams. Um, I mean, I meant like uh, if it happened after last week's podcast, or they both. Yeah, I think they both happened within this week, so uh, we'll kind of touch on those two. But Darion Williams and Chance McMillan, two solid transfers for Texas Tech guys that were pretty clear on the radar that had visits. And uh, actually, yes, that makes sense because they both had scheduled visits after Sunday. So two new signings since the last time that we talked. So. I mean, me personally, I was really excited to get Darian Williams. I mean, he was a Conference USA uh, Freshman of the Year last year. And pretty much the perfect build for what Texas Tech is going to do on defense. That 6-6, you know, long. He, I mean, the seven points, people could say what they want about that. He was pretty much the reason that Nevada was as good as they were. He was so good as a freshman. And probably the most enticing stat of all of them was the seven rebounds that he averaged i mean a six six is pretty big in college basketball but even then like just playing the position that he played he wasn't really like in the paint he was kind of guarding everywhere and just to be able to come up with that many rebounds just kind of shows what he's going to provide for texas tech he's going to be a body where i mean texas tech is lacking on big guys right now so that's going to be something that we could use to our advantage and chance mcmillan pretty much just a sniper and a uh, solid guy with the ball in his hands, good at driving, pretty much just pretty good at everything, but going to be a really big addition in the shooting department. I mean, we haven't had a real true threat from three that I have personally felt like was a threat since Davide Moretti. I don't know if he is going to be that, but if he can be anything like that, I mean, what a get. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I said on my podcast on Wednesday – um, that if you hadn't seen Williams play um, and you remember a lot of tech people that have came through and played with our basketball program, I did a player comparison to Jay Crockett. 
Um, they have the similar height, similar build, body wise, um, wingspan, the whole get. I mean, and Jay Crockett had a whole lot of the same similar traits as Williams did, but I see Williams having a a bigger upside right now um, than what Jay Crockett had. And Jay Crockett had a hell of a had a hell of a background coming before he even got to Tech. So I. I kind of put that in the same kind of boat. And then it's just like you said, a, a sharpshooter coming in with, with chance. So I'm really looking forward to that. And I agree with you on the Davide Moretti um, comparison, you know, just somebody who once they were behind the arc and he was putting it up. I mean, I think you could almost put Mooney in that, in that for as well, you know, so it, it'll be really good to open that up. Kind of, kind of interesting to see what's, what they're going to do on the back end. Um, I know this isn't this is a Big Twelve pod or whatnot, just mostly a look around. But I know we're still looking for a big, and it we found out that we lost a big um, earlier this morning in Bacho going to La Tech. So um, interesting. There's not a whole lot of big guys out there in the portal. So I'm just looking forward to see what happens in the next week as far as it goes in replacing a big guy here at Tech. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Bacho was kind of that guy that was going to be the replacement for the guys that had left before him, and now seeing them gone, kind of got to fill that void, but we shall see. We shall see indeed. We're going to finish off with the spring game, obviously, that happened yesterday. Um, Texas Tech had their spring football game. Was an exciting game to watch. Was good to see new guys. I always kind of like to see which guys are wearing which numbers. I mean, you have the new freshmen. Uh, whose name is completely Dylan Spencer, I think his name is, if I'm not mistaken. But he's wearing number 19, pretty much taking over the Tyree Wilson, pretty much just saying I am the new Tyree Wilson, which I don't think he could be replaced. But that is what it is. But, um, yeah, no, just a great game. Great game by the defense, which usually, I just want to point this out, it is a great game by the defense most of the time because, obviously, the offense is not trying to show as much as far as Texas Tech goes, that's what I've kind of noticed. You have games, I mean, you see what happened at, like, Oklahoma. They had a crazy score for theirs. I don't know what they were doing, but um, kind of just showing everything. But, you know, it is what it is. Texas Tech had a solid outing on defense for the spring game. You had C.J. Baskerville and uh, Darian, Adrian Taylor Demerson, a.k.a. Rabbit, kind of showing out. The two safeties were pointed out by Coach McGuire at the end. He kind of pointed out a few guys, but... Those two, the two safeties, I mean, I, I was really kind of wondering once um, Reggie Pearson left for Oklahoma, who was going to fill that void, and it seems like CJ is pretty much that guy that they have anointed. I mean, he's wearing number nine. He's got That's usually what I look for, too. If somebody's wearing single digits and they're like a new addition, I'm like, okay, they're probably going to have a big impact because you don't see many guys get the single digits or even in the teens that aren't going to be really out there playing. That's just kind of something in the football universe that is kind of well-known. But uh, just a few other guys to kind of talk about. Ty Canna, a guy who is a second year. I don't know. I think he should still be a redshirt freshman, but he's a second year on the team. Uh, had an interception of his own. He's somebody that I could think will sneaky get into that linebacker conversation, especially with the unfortunate news that Kosai Aldridge will not be coming back. Uh, his waiver was not granted, so tough to see that happen. Um, but yeah, Tycan is going to be a guy that I think could have an impact. And uh, just a few highlights. I mean, you had the 57-yard touchdown from Morton to uh, Loic Fungi. That was, I mean, it looked like he just got behind the defense and used his speed to 
kind of finish that off. That's what I like to see about the, the these wide receivers. Always amaze me just how tall they are and how fast they are. It's just a, a beautiful sight to see. But uh, last thing I'll say, Gino Garcia, the kicker. Uh, good to see him, regardless of if it's a spring game or not. Good to see the kicker make the kicks, especially when you lose a guy like Trey Wolf. But uh, I'll let you kind of talk on it. Um, I don't know if you ended up going to this or not. I know you do live in Lubbock, but I don't know how many spring games you've been to in your time, if you've been to this one. But uh, just kind of what did you think about the spring game? I had um, every intention to going to this year's spring game, but the weather that morning was particularly not well for young children. So I just watched, ended up watching it on TV um, like the rest. Um, but yeah, I have um, some of the other points that Gino Garcia, I'd like to add that 50 yarder he kicked, he kicked into the wind and he had some, some behind it. I know that, you know, a lot of people were wondering about the Trey Wolf deal, you know, how we were going to replace him. And it's almost, in the same breath and it's not even maybe not as high, but I mean, I believe it should be as high as, you know, how we're going to replace Tyree Wilson, because I mean, he meant that much to this football team just as much as Tyree did. So to see Gino get out there, get that confidence and essentially look like he kind of secured that spot with that kick, you know, is, is a big deal for, for him moving forward forward with his confidence. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, another thing that I wanted to touch on that you didn't uh, necessarily was our pass rush with uh, Miles Cole and Steve Linton on the edges. Boy, those <laughs> if that's not something to get excited about, man. And we didn't even have um, Hutchinson or Tony Bradford in there. You know, those guys, you know, were held out of the spring game. So we have arguably two of our better guys and um sitting watching this game happen and things like that. And we're still getting that kind of pass rush out there. Um, I believe Isaac Smith didn't play in the game as well. And he's another one of those guys who, you know, kind of came on late and, you know, made some noise in some of the games towards the end of the season, the Oklahoma game, I believe. And then also in the Ole Miss game in the bowl game. So yeah, those guys get, getting after the quarterback and getting a, a solid rush down. There's a couple of times where uh, Morton or, or Shuck would have been sacked. So to see those guys actually do work was, was really good. The, the replacing Reggie Pearson deal with Baskerville or Basker. I don't, I always want to say Bakersfield, but I know that's not his last name. He's going to be a good one. I mean, he fits the body type. He's a little bit bigger than what Reggie was, um, but it looks like he could come down to make a tackle from the safety position and he could cover some ground with some speed. So that addition's great. Our defensive line looks great. And then, I mean, from every picture and every camera angle, our offensive line looks stout. So to see what they're going to do in this upcoming season, I'm really excited to see. It's just like you said, um, a pretty vanilla offensive scheme, you know, just a whole lot of just, you know, little stuff. It wasn't anything. They're not trying to show a hand so early. So I think any how Shuck played to how Morton played, doesn't really change my stance on where I believe, you know, Morton shouldn't be starting because I still think it's Shuck's job until he just doesn't do it anymore. But I mean, he's your, he's your number one, he's your guy. So moving forward into, you know, the summer and going into the fall practices and things like that, I think Tech's in a, in a great shape. We came out of the game healthy. So yeah, I think, I think, 
we're we're heading in the right direction. Year two of the brand's looking good so far. Couldn't agree more. I think uh, one guy I kind of wanted to point out that um, McGuire pointed out was Marion Horn, uh, the redshirt freshman. He was, I think he was like our highest rated recruit in the class that he came in. And he, I mean, I kind of, I went back and looked because I didn't even notice and I won't kind of realize why I didn't notice. But um, he made Dre McCray look like, he was basically all over him the entire game whenever he was guarding him. You didn't really hear much from Dre McCray, Dre McCray, who is supposed to be that speed guy for us this year because Horn was pretty much all over him and running with him, and that's going to be huge. I mean, he was a guy who was a four-star, maybe even five-star running back. Like He was an, he was pretty much an athlete. I think that's what he did classify as was an athlete, but... He could have been Tech's number two running back this year or number three with Valdez, but still, I mean, to see him do that on the defensive side of the ball, especially when we have to replace a few guys in that secondary, is going to be key. I mean, if you're that athletic and if you're that, if you're, if he's able to kind of run with that type of player right now, obviously he'll still be a little bit raw. This will be his kind of first year getting some reps, so we'll see where he kind of slots into that picture. But he's the guy that I'm going to be looking at, and I'm going to be saying, you know. What's he going to do in his retro freshman year? Is he going to kind of have that uh, start that we kind of saw from, gosh, his name is slipping my mind. The guy, though, he was here last year, and then he kind of, he was been injured, but he had a really solid freshman year. And I completely forgot his name, but uh, I will remember it later if I can. But yeah, no, Horn is definitely a guy that I'm looking at, and I'm kind of, I'm, I mean, I'll ask a few questions here of you about the spring game, just kind of to get your thoughts out of there, but um realistically who do you kind of see as these wide receivers kind of shape out as the guy that could possibly step up and be the guy do you think it's going to be miles price again this year or not maybe not again i know it's kind of spread out but i know miles price seems to be the trendy pick but is there anybody else that you're kind of keeping your eye on i'm going bradley um bradley and mccray um i think like Marion Horn was all over him. He was a four-star, I believe, out of Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Um, so, yeah, he did very, very well. Another freshman, actually a true freshman who played um, yesterday was Brennan Jordan. Um, he was actually getting some playing time as well, and he did and held his own pretty well. Um, now, given the certain circumstances of the, the play calling and things like that, I think Dre McCray will just find ways to get him the ball. That's what you do with guys with that kind of speed. But um, I think it's Bradley McRae, Fungi, um, Baylor Cup, Teeter, you know, those guys, or I'm sorry, um, Mason Tharp, your one-two tight ends, you know, and things like that. But I'm going to go with Jared Bradley and Dre McRae. Um, all the others are going to get theirs. Um, I believe you're going to also see, your, you know, like you said, your Miles Price, your, um, golly, that other kid's name is... Tyler King, I believe is his name, um, is another kid who's kind of uh, is super young redshirt freshman, I believe as well, who's going to get some playing time. And then I know that there's some guys like your Brady Boyds, your Coy Eakins that are still, I believe, recovering from injury. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens um, during the fall camp prior to the season, starting to see what goes on with those guys. But yeah, McCray and Bradley are going to be a pretty, pretty nice one two punch for the Big 12 moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I kind of, I, I really do think that Fungi is going to be, I mean, I know Bradley's pretty much 
I mean, they're, they're pretty much going to be on two opposite sides on the outside. So it's pretty much pick your poison there on defense. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you got Bradley, you got Fungi, you got a lot of guys who can uh, kind of step up and be that number one wide receiver alongside uh, Miles Price. But it'll be pretty interesting to see. I'll kind of cut it off there. Uh, and, uh, yeah, no, we can get out of here. Uh, that was a good talk about the uh, spring game, good talk about baseball, good talk about anything. Any, any closing thoughts, anything about baseball, anything about the football, anything? No, as far as closing thoughts go, just like we ended off, you know, um, last week, interested to see what happens with the baseball across, you know, across the Big 12 because with the conference being so – um, bunched up there on the top half of it you know it's going to be real interesting you know a lot of these games are going to matter and they've been mattering you know ever since it was how it's been so really interested to see that um, interested on the same front as we talked about last Sunday maybe we'll hear some more coaching news on the tech basketball front maybe some other transfer portal guys potentially linked to tech um, ultimately coming down and then maybe some of the transfer portal guys that we have deciding to come back to tech you know, that's always on the table as well. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. And then, you know, football's just going to be, um, I know we didn't touch on it, but how are your thoughts, or I didn't ask you either, um, what are your thoughts on the stadium upgrades that we just, the notification about the um, the field and the lights? Are you excited about the lights being changed at the Jones? Honestly, it's something new. So, I mean... The, the only thing that I got to, I mean, I guess I can't really answer it as well as others because I do live in Illinois, so I've never really been to Texas Tech or Lubbock, I guess you should say. So I don't really have the same, like, because I feel like there's been a lot of those, like, oh, yeah, you know, we shouldn't have changed it. You know, we should have just kind of kept it how it is. Or there's been a lot of also, like, oh, we should have changed it. It definitely needed, you know, a revamp, needed to be something new. So I personally am just excited to see what they do. Because basically, I mean, we saw what happened with the locker room. I mean, they made the they made the facilities at Texas Tech very, very good, which is going to help in recruiting with basically everything. So it's just one of those things. I guess I'm kind of new age where I'm like, I kind of like to see what teams do to make things a little bit newer. I haven't really seen too many of the pictures from kind of what it's looking like, but I did see the ones that you showed me last week. And I think I saw a couple, but I don't know if they were uh, kind of like the finished product or just like kind of a middle ground of where they are. But I'm actually pretty excited. I, I'm pretty excited to see what they do. I know it's new and I know on the TV angle, you kind of only really see it when they're entering into the beginning of the game. And then maybe during halftime or certain aspects. And I'm sure they'll kind of point it out in the first few home games. But um, it's definitely something that I want to see. And I'm kind of excited to see because eventually I'm going to make it down to Lubbock and get a game get to watch a game so uh definitely will be interesting i guess i should ask you the same thing as the uh lubbock native uh are you excited or are you kind of falling under the kind of iffy about it uh i've been excited the field maybe not so much i mean turf is turf i don't play on it so i don't exactly know what's different to be completely honest uh, it's going to be green and there'll be black end zones you know and that's all that i pretty have much to say about that but the lights deal is very big, you know, just to see what other teams around or what other college and universities have those, those led lights that flicker and do all of these different cool things to change colors. And at a snap of a finger, you know, it's really, really cool to see. So I'm looking to see what Joey McGuire and the tech squad do with that 
as far as insurance goes, as far as anything goes, you know, to make, you know, Jones even more stand out than, you know, the other schools out there in, in the Big 12 and in the country. So I'm all for it. So um, it's a good upgrade. I think it's a long overdue upgrade, at least for the lights there in Lubbock. So I'm ready for it. Um, I'll be there September 9th when Oregon's in town. So they said they're going to be up before this season ends. So I'm ready for it. Yeah, definitely will be interesting to see. Um, yeah, I mean, like you said, different colleges are always kind of adding to their stuff, kind of making their own different things and different traditions and whatnot. Going to be interesting to see what Joey McGuire does. I feel like, obviously, he's been that coach that has come to change the culture at Texas Tech. So maybe we're going to see a cool new entrance kind of along the lines of what like certain schools do and Texas Tech will have their own thing, and I'm excited for that. I'm excited to see what they do. I'm excited to see what the field looks like, what the finished product is. It will be very exciting, and I'm also very excited for that Oregon game. That'll be like a beautiful matchup of jerseys. So that'll be nice. But I guess we'll kind of wrap it up there. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for joining in on the Sunday show. Obviously, this is the second edition of it, and Joe and I are excited to kind of get things started and put out these shows on the weekend. You know, not many podcasts are putting out shows on the weekend, especially on Sundays. So, you know, we're here to talk to you about the Big 12 landscape, touch on Texas Tech a little bit, and yeah, kind of go from there. So until next time, we will talk to you later. Have a great rest of your week, everybody. Or I guess great start to your week.